This episode of the Beauté Industry Podcast was brought to you by Panamorphy. Hello and welcome to the Beauté Industry Podcast, your online support community for the professional beauty industry. I am your host, founding director of Beauté Industry, Tamara Reed. Here, we are closing the competitive gap and speaking your language. This is a platform created and dedicated to the professional beauty industry, valuing community over competition. We serve to help connect you with inspiration from industry experts, expand your knowledge through educational pieces, and bring you the latest in product and technology innovation. This is Beauty Industry. Today, my guest is Erin Green from Greenery & Co. If social media and the digital space feel somewhat overwhelming and often at times confusing, then today's episode is especially for you. Head honcho Erin Green of Greenery & Co. joins us for a conversation on enhancing your digital presence and smashing your social goals. From target market to understanding your audience's tone of voice, right the way through to videos, reels, and hashtags, you'll be ready to give your Instagram a glow up by the time you're finished listening. Here's Erin and I for Beauty Industry. Erin, welcome to the Beauty Industry podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for spending your Monday morning with me. Um, This is a chat which is going to be hotly listened to I can imagine because social media and digital media and marketing and all of the things is something that our industry and our audience absolutely must know more about and always ask us about in our community so I'm excited to have the chat with you today. I'm excited to have the chat too it's definitely something that people want to know about um, but you know we obviously can't trust Google and there's so many different things out there so looking forward to having a chat. Yes. So tell me then, how did you enter into the PR, marketing, comms, digital, social kind of space? And then how did you find your way from there talking to beauty business owners? Yeah. So uh, Greenery & Co. was formed a little over three years ago. uh, And Essentially, I am a bona fide talkaholic, as I'm sure you know. Um, I will have a chat with anyone, could talk the back legs off a donkey, a wheelbarrow, etc., etc. Um, so I think falling into something where I essentially was able to communicate with people on a daily basis was a no-brainer. Uh, I originally did journalism at university, so I had that really lovely monotone, uh, slow talk down pat, uh, but wanted to kind of move into something where, and I'm not knocking journalists at all, um, but somewhere where I was kind of giving more back to people. Uh, And I found that, you know, communication is something that we're all doing essentially instantaneously from birth. However, with uh, businesses, we kind of need to take our communication skills or lack thereof uh, and and fine-tune them slightly to actually communicate and articulate what we do how we do it and essentially who we do it for. So that's that's kind of the crux of why why Greenery & Co does what it does. Uh, I 
fell, as I'm sure most people do, into their passions. Uh, I was very creative and wore way too many hats when I was younger um, and was kind of doing um, MCing on the side, working in customer service, working in a marketing team uh, and kind of doing all these little things. And it kind of grew into this bubble where I didn't know what Greenery & Co was or who essentially we were going to work with and fast forward three years later and here we are doing it. So, (laughs) Yeah, I love that so much. I think you've hit the nail on the head there um, in talking about communications and fine-tuning the way that we communicate because, as you said there, most people do fall into business and I know this for a fact in the beauty industry that most of our business owners are therapists first and foremost. So we know how to talk about skin, we know how to talk about the muscles and ingredients and, you know, product knowledge and things like that. But then when it comes to talking about A, ourself, B, our brand and C, you know, our unique selling point, we sometimes kind of find this gray area or even, you know, this kind of self-limiting belief comes in about, oh goodness, I can't talk about myself. I can't talk about my business. It's all about my clients. So um, in a simple word, it's just communications, hey? Totally. And fine-tuning what you're offering and kind of elevating it because it's all storytelling, right? So even when you come at it from a um, skin specialist point of view or talking about the anatomy or, um, you know, someone that's talking about the ingredients list or things like that, it's all storytelling. And it's essentially what can we do for you? How can we do it? And why do we do it? That's, I don't want to say that's all it is, but, you know, as, as a general gist, that's, that's what we're doing. Yeah. So, so cool. So then tell me, um, as part of Greenery Co, you've got lots of different arms of the business in terms of, you know, the communications and social and marketing and all of the things like that. But in specifically, we want to chat social and digital today. So what lights your fire in that kind of realm of the um, industry? Uh, I think for me personally, so obviously our kind of byline slogan, whatever you want to call it, is zero to hero. So focusing on the elevation, not only of a business, so that's obviously for both their profit um, profit growth and their margins and things like that, but essentially the understanding and the education for the business owner and salon owner is really important. So we kind of look at it um Uh, we kind of take it that one step further. And rather than me just going, hey, let's do social media management or, you know, do your website or or teach you how to do X, Y, Z, it's kind of, it teaches them, uh, I guess, the the reason behind why they need to do it and why it's important um, to not only have this growth online, but also offline. So we kind of use social media as this uh, conversion tool and part of your sales funnel, because that at the end of the day, that is what it is. Uh, so not only do we want to have growth on this platform, but we also want to have it off the platform. So when we talk about online and offline, we're not saying, you know, off the internet or the interweb or however you want to, you know, talk about it, but we're saying off social media. So we need to be able to pay our staff, pay our insurances, pay our rent, you know, all these other things as well as pay ourselves and unfortunately, growing from 500 followers to 1,000 followers doesn't necessarily directly correlate with that. So it's kind of being smarter with our approach to social media and our storytelling that we do on social media. Yes, that's very cool. I never thought about that because... Um what you said there, we're teaching them why, not just how. I think anyone truly, if they put their mind and time and energy to it, 
can learn how to run social media, right? They can learn how to do a post, how to do a story. But sometimes when we do things just for the sake of because we know how rather than the sake of we need to know why we're doing it, it can feel like, oh, bloody, you know, it's it's 7 p.m. and I haven't posted anything and I've just got to post something. So I'm going to scroll through Pinterest, screenshot something and then grab it and put it on the social media. But when we know why we have to do that, okay, well, maybe it's going to convert a bum to a bed or, you know, why? Because we've got some, you know, blank appointments and we've got to fill them or because we haven't talked to the brand story in a while, then it kind of feels a little bit more authentic. You're not just posting something for the sake of, oh, it's 7 p.m. and I haven't posted yet. Absolutely. And our kind of, um, I don't, I'm a, I'm a sucker for dad puns, as I'm sure you're aware, <laughs> but our, the whole adage of, you know, smarter, not harder. And it's really about what can we do now, not necessarily to get that bum on that bed tomorrow and feel that last minute appointment or whatever it is. But if we're going to be launching a new product or a new range or a new service, or we've got a new, you know, um, dermal therapist coming on board, or we've got a new technician, how can we essentially, you know, um, preload this person's column? How can we sell this new product? How can we sell this new service? How can we make, you know, not necessarily tomorrow, but next week, next month, next year, how can I make that trajectory look from what I'm doing now? And it's really, I think, with social media as well, as we do get so caught up in, um, you know, say I've got a salon, I am in Brisbane, I already know that it's a highly saturated market without even going, well, I'm specialising in, you know, dermal filler or whatever it is and kind of niching out. And then people look at, essentially everyone else that's in their market space and that's when it gets really overwhelming because we can see what they're doing and how we do it but our why is completely different and you know contradictory to their why so if we're copying part and parcel of how other people are running their social media we've got no idea what's going on behind the scenes or you know what they're gearing up for so it's really about kind of staying in your lane and if if it does get to seven o'clock at night and you go oh you know what the heck i haven't posted in two or three days if you don't have something that is going to have you know a positively geared contribution to your tomorrow leave it for tomorrow that's like don't just post just for the sake of posting to confuse your audience or you know especially with like pinterest for example is there's so many people that say um you know I've, I've gone on pinterest and i found all these beautifully beautifully aesthetically pleasing you know images or whatever it is and i'm just going to put them on my page to make it this pretty feed but unfortunately we're not in the business of a aesthetically pleasing feed we are a brick and mortar store that is trying to use this as part of our sales funnel to get people off social media and a bum on our bed so it's kind of how although yes it may look pretty but what does that actually translate to in terms of my salon space yes love that so much so instead of just doing like on a sunday the beautiful iced coffee flat lay um you know <laughs> you know just to kind of I don't know, just, just for the sake of putting an iced coffee up and go, happy weekend, babes. We should actually be talking to, did you know caffeine does X, Y, and Z for the skin? If you're experiencing this for your skin, we need to talk, you know, so you're kind of reframing it. Still use the pretty photo if you want to make your feed look pretty, but have a little bit more weight behind the post, I guess. Yeah, so a little bit of substance behind what you're posting and definitely using it to kind of, um, 
like what we were saying, um, I was going to say earlier, but, you know, speaking of content pillars and things like that. So content pillars essentially coming up with a topic or a subject and then finding different ways to repurpose that content, whether that is for your social media, your uh, website with your mail outs or whatever it is, sharing stories, et cetera, et cetera. So finding a topic and running with it. So, for example, with your coffee, you could say, look, you know, Sundays as a business owner internally it's going to look Sundays I sit down you know I've got my Sunday paper or whatever you do to kind of switch off go through your um, booking software these are the availabilities that I have I'm going to find all this out whilst I'm enjoying my coffee I'm going to be writing out my captions or I'm going to be doing this um, to set myself up for the week because although we're taking our five minutes what can we do to intertwine what we're currently doing with our week so it's if you've got, you know, um, talking about you could be having like your morning collagen drink or what, whatever it is, how that essentially feeds into it because we're trying to kind of um, position ourselves as that industry leader and as that expert within what we're doing. So if we can say to people, look, you know, I'm not telling you to stop having your morning coffee or, you know, have that glass of wine or whatever it is, because trust me, we do it too. Like you're really trying to say to people like, let's do that, but let's also let's also rely on the education and the information behind it because that's what makes people go, well, I'm going to go see Erin or I'm going to go see Tamara because they know this, this, this and this. And it really solidifies your standpoint and you haven't actually done anything different you're just sharing what you already know with people through storytelling yes so obsessed with that and look no one's going to stop drinking coffee having a fag on the weekend or stop drinking wine right so i'm not telling you to do that guys precursor i'm absolutely not telling you to do that live your life (laughs) (laughs) but it is what it is you know so if you'd be more relatable and go hey had a big night on the wines last night or on the margaritas chuck a bit of collagen into you into your coffee or you know down that hyaluronic acid onto your skin so that, you know, you can bounce back faster. So just being real and telling the story. Um, With social media, I kind of feel like we finally master one thing, you know, we've got down pat the post and the aesthetic and, you know, we've got our 7 p.m. and our 7 a.m. and da-da-da. And then the platform goes ahead and changes on us. So how do we keep up? How do you keep up? There's so many different things that are constantly changing. Mm. So I think what we need to look at it from, um, so obviously social media is such a big part of not only our business structure and all of our clients and, you know, personally it keeps all of us connected and that's, again, the storytelling component tree. But the way that we need to look at Instagram and Facebook um, as kind of the market leaders that they are is they are a business first and foremost and their business is storytelling so they've kind of um when you when you look back to the days of you know when it first started and it was purely a communication tool between university students to now and you kind of see that growth and that transitional shift that they've had around how they communicate and how they articulate they are changing that um almost daily like you know there are new updates there are new algorithms there are new um competitors within that space which then makes them have to kind of elevate and up their game for them to stay at the forefront of where they are they need to be that industry leader which means that they are not going to stop making these changes so it's kind of like um 
you know, you, it's it's easier to work with them than against them. There's no way that you can be like, well, you know what? I'm not going to do reels because what they do is they turn around and you've got gentlemen like Aaron that say, well, we're actually going to be prioritizing, you know, video content rather than those static images on your profile grid because at the same time, they're wanting us to elevate our storytelling as well. So it's kind of like you have to do what they say. Um, and one of the biggest things that someone actually taught me a few years ago, and I was like, oh, my gosh, why have I not thought of this before? But anything that you have to create an account and log into, you do not own. Mm. So it's kind of looking at social media as in like, well, if I want to continue to use your platform and, you know, grow my audiences, which then, trans, you know, correlates to bums on beds, which allows me to pay my mortgage and send my kids to school and go and have drinks at Hellenica or whatever it is. Like, you know, if I want to continue doing that, I need to play by your rules. And when we don't play by their rules, we are penalised. So if we are using music that is copyright infringement, if we are using hashtags that do come with the... Um, spam notifications or the robotic kind of um, communication style, you do get penalised, you get shadow banned, you get accounts deleted. Like it's not, they don't care. Like what they do, don't don't include that. Um, but it's like they kind of come at it from an angle, whereas we've got to do what they say. So it's kind of, for me personally, I have Google Alerts turned on for probably way too many things, but um, Instagram algorithms, Instagram updates, iOS updates on Apple, because obviously, you know, Apple is the market leader in terms of telecommunication devices. So when they make changes that doesn't um, directly correlate with Facebook or Instagram, there's going to be this shift. And it really is this dynamic of who can be the bigger player in terms of who dominates what. So, um in terms of Facebook and Instagram, it's essentially when a new change is rolled out, we have to, you know, myself and the team have to sit down and be like, okay, golly gosh, now we've got to actually process what this looks like. How do we then take that bit of information, extrapolate all the marketing mumbo jumbo, which overwhelms so many people and say, in you know, simple English, no BS, no jargon. This is what you need to do moving forward. And if people don't like it, maybe it's not the platform for you. Yes. And I want to give, um, obviously, a little plug to Greenery & Co, unpaid, unsponsored, all of that kind of stuff. But you guys do, you put so much easy to understand info pretty much out there. You know, you're like, okay, well, yes, you've got to get, get now on videos, but you don't have to go dancing all over the platform. You can do it in these three simple ways, you know? So I'm kind of keeping up with the way that socials change just by looking at brands like yours and following you guys on social media. Cause I go, okay, I know Erin is the expert in that space. I'm not going to try and find all of these new updates myself every single day because I'm running my own business, but I'm going to look to experts who do that for a living, you know? So it's much easier to see what you guys are putting out and then to go, okay, this is how I need to content, uh, tailor my content rather. Yeah. And I think with that as well, it's one of those things where like, you know, that that's probably one of the main reasons why when we started Greenery & Co, we were so surprised at essentially a lot of people were kind of in this communications and marketing space, but they were not able to have that connection with their audiences because they were, you know, when you look at big PR companies or big marketing agencies, they are dealing with the big dog, right? They're dealing with people that have 
thousands, if not tens of thousands of people in their organizations. They've got um, people with all the tertiary qualifications that speak to this, 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 and this. And they're essentially showing up and speaking to small business owners as if they are those agencies. And that's awesome to try and emulate that. But for me, uh, you know, I'm talking to mums and dads. I'm talking to people who are first and foremost something else and then they started their business. So it's kind of like everyone's got these hats that they wear and I am such a straight shooter as in what you see is what you get and I really wanted Greenery and Co to kind of encompass that because I know how important it is. Like, for example, my bookkeeper, she knows that she needs to tell me exactly, I, I don't care about, I obviously care about the accounting terms, but I don't need to know about the coding. I don't need to know about kind of all this. You tell me when this is due, how much it is, like what I need to do to get this done, because I appreciate, you know, being given the information that I need in ways that I can actually perceive that, take it in and do what I need to do with it. Because as a business owner, we're, we're doing you know, 5 million different things. And for me to sit down and spend three hours listening to my, like, I'd love to sit down with her, but I don't have three hours to do that. Mm -hmm. So it's short, sharp, practical, and really allows people to absorb what it is we're trying to say. And I guess that's my, I guess actually that's probably our point of difference is we just cut through it. And I don't want people to have to be like, far out, this person waffles or whatever it is. Like, get what you need, go about your day. <laughs> Absolutely. Coming up after the break, Erin and I talk to videos, reels and hashtags. But first, a word from today's beauty partner. At Panamorphe, their aim is to make your clients feel and look their best with their unique jelly masks that are oozing with powerful antioxidants, vitamins, minerals and moisture-rich ingredients. Panamorphe Skincare has a huge range of products from professional to retail and offers a massive range of vegan and cruelty-free products. Panamorphe is offering all of our Beauty Industry podcast listeners an exclusive 20% off your Panamorphe order. Yes, you heard that correctly. That's 20% off your next Panamorphe purchase. Simply head over to www.panamorphe.shop and use the code SKIN20, that's S-K-I-N-2-0, at the checkout to redeem this incredible offer. To learn more about how the Panamorphe skincare range can benefit your clinic or salon, visit www.panamorphe.shop today. Thank you so much to the team at Panamorphe for making this episode of the Beauty Industry Podcast possible. And now, back to Erin. In your opinion, do you feel like brands and business owners should set aside a huge budget to create killer content and to cut through? Or do you think it can be done, you know, on the bit more affordable side, perhaps? Yeah, I definitely think that if we're looking at from a, um, you know, that the aesthetic point of view as well, um, with market saturation, if we are going to say, for example, like, the beauty industry, for one, is already a heavily saturated market, not even looking at social media. However, that when we then go, okay, so I'm now going to look at this in online space, 
we are then competing with people purely based on the aesthetics. It's not as if we've got, you know, we're, we're at Coles or we're at Woolies or whatever it is and we see two people walking past and one's got really clear skin, you know, almost like, you know, those before and after photos. We don't have walking billboards in a shopping centre where we can go, hey, oh, my gosh, like, you know, your skin looks fantastic. We've got the same pigmentation. Could you tell me where you went? How much was it, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It's really about, you know, that opportunity to make people see um, through your your feed and the information that you're sharing with them what it is that you do. So really honing in on, um, you know, what you offer. If you have a really beautiful aesthetic um, space and place that your shop is in, that's fantastic. But at the end of the day, no one's coming in for an interior design kind of feel do you know what I mean no one's going to walk in and go well oh my gosh I'm going to come back here because I really like the light and I'm going to get all my new selfies for Instagram in here mm-hmm. that's not what our business is so um sorry I kind of answered it in a roundabout way but your um photos are definitely something that um you know do help sell the story having captions that match photos. So on the opposite side of the spectrum is I know, you know, so many people that have spent thousands of dollars on videography, um, static imagery. So that's obviously your um, photographs. They um, get their website done and, you know, all of that looks really beautiful. However, the actual copy, so the written word that accompanies all of these photos is lacking or it doesn't actually communicate what it is that you want to tell people because it's all about the education and again coming back to the storytelling so it's really honing in on what it is you're trying to tell people ensuring that the graphic or the image or the video matches what you're trying to tell them and then the copy emulates both of those together so it's kind of ensuring that everything flows because people do get really and you know we do get really disheartened because we go oh my goodness like look at this person's feed or look at the way these people take their photos or you know I've reached out to a videographer and they told me that it was going to be a minimum of you know 2500 or whatever it is it's about being smart, not only with your money, but with the actual information that you're giving people and video, videoing and taking photos of the right things. Yes, so much sense. And I, I'm sure if any business owner right now, even any therapist, if you've got like a personal therapist Instagram page, if you opened up your phone, other than a few selfies and maybe a few pictures of your cat, I am sure you would see loads of before and after photos, loads of, you know, close-ups on your client's acne or, you know, post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. Like you've got all of those photos there already on your phone, you know, that $2,500 photographer or videographer, while yes, you need professional images, you know, for branding and for websites and things like that, for things like social media, sometimes just the most real and relatable content actually cuts through better than a beautiful image. And I think that especially around the word relatable, right? So we're using social media as a, as a main kind of driver to get bums on beds. Now, if we've got, um, you know, someone early 20s, or this is now talking to people's target audiences. So if we know that our target audience is early to mid 20s, um, individuals who are in a highly stressful environment, so whether that is um, professionally or personally, they have cystic acne and um, hormonal breakouts. If that is who your target audience is, that is who you need to show up for and speak to all the time. 
So you need to be thinking of, um, we always call her Cheryl, right? So our target audience is always Cheryl. She will have a different age depending on what it is we're wanting to talk about um, and kind of what her pain points are or what we speak to. So you need to find your Cheryl and it's such a, I love that name. You need to find your own Cheryl and really hone in on what do I need to tell her today? What do I need to communicate that my business does for Cheryl? Because I can tell you right now, if your Cheryl is a, um, you know, a young lady with cystic acne who um, is has that hormonal um, kind of flow, breakouts, things like that, if you are showing up with a filter day in, day out, if you are posting photos that are just of really beautiful, you know, like Bella Hadid or whatever it is made up or, um, you know, someone that they don't identify with but you are speaking to them, it, it doesn't actually translate or penetrate with your audiences and it's actually, it creates that perception with your audiences that, you say you can treat it, but it's actually, you know, the proof is in the pudding. Like if you can show someone, if you can actually show up and be like, look, you know, I actually fall within this bracket. This is why I know this product or service really works. I've been doing it myself. I do one session a week for 10 minutes or whatever it is. Like if you can articulate that to someone and actually show them results, whether that is yours or someone else's, that's what people want to see, not the photo of Bella Hadid with her beautiful skin and a quote from in 2016, she said, I had really bad skin. My skin's fantastic now. Mm, yes, so much. And for everybody who's listening going, well, how do we find our Cheryl? I am sure if you had your point of software, uh, point of sale software system, and if you pulled your top 10, top 20, even top 50 clients who visit you the most frequently and spend the most, you would be able to find that Cheryl. You know, you might have a Stephanie and you might go, okay, your top 10 clients all have the same age bracket, the same socioeconomic, you know, financial situation, mm-hmm. the same postcode, the same amount of kids, you know, or very similar thereabouts, then you'll be able to go, okay, that's our Cheryl. Now, how do we speak to that client? What does totally. she come in for? You know, and then you can create your own little perfect client avatar, target market, whatever you want to call it and go, okay, ours is called Stephanie. She is 25 to 28 years old. She has one kid, maybe another baby on the way, you know, she spends X amount. So then when you're posting, you go, would Stephanie like this? Yes. Or would Stephanie like this? No, this treatment's not suited to her. And then even you can take it in a broader sense from a business point of view and go, okay, I'm thinking about getting this machine into my salon. Would Stephanie have this treatment? Yes or no. You know, so there's so many different things. Once you narrow down who you're speaking to, your language gets so much more clear. Mm, and it's and it definitely can change. So I'm not saying that, you know, Cheryl is going to stay this, you know, early 20s age bracket or whatever it is, because, you know, it's the real world. We all age and things change as we get older. Our services, we kind of, you know, there are probably some services that you want in alignment with your own psychographic factors, which is great, but it's ensuring that we're actually speaking to our actual audience because even though we might say, look, I want to get, you know, the younger audience in or the older audience in, well, I can tell you right now, spending 10 hours on TikTok a week is not going to bring you in the 50 plus category. Mm. So it's kind of looking at who we who actually is coming in and paying our bills now 
how we can really hone in on that audience and kind of grow that audience as well as, you know, integrating a Stephanie. So we've got a Cheryl and a Stephanie. And then every single person that comes into to work in your space, whether that is a new uh, therapist, your new manager, a new dermal injector, whoever that is, a technician, all of those people know who your current audiences are, because that's really important to be able to speak to those people and serve those people. Um, and really, you know, customer service is such a big facet of any business, but when you are, you know, you're a forward facing and a lot of people either come in for the, um, you know, self-confidence or self-care kind of route, they need that kind of nurturing and that support and that um, customer service, which we all need. It's a, you know, it's a human behavior, but ensuring that you are providing that customer service in a way that that Cheryl, Stephanie, Georgia, Patricia, whoever it is, they can, you know, correspond and really hone in on. That's really important. Absolutely. Um, so you mentioned before hashtags and I'm a bit confused by hashtags at the moment. You know, I feel like when they were first come out, you know, we could put like for like and hashtag love and hashtag follow for follow and all of these types of things. But um, you said before, you know, a few hashtags are banned. Sometimes people put them in the caption. Other times people put them in the first comment. Like what's your take on the hashtags? So hashtags are essentially another search function. So if you think of Instagram as a, you go into, you know, I'm, I'm not well versed on an Android's layout, but I do know how to navigate them somewhat. Um, on an iPhone, if you go into your second tab, which is the magnifying glass, that takes you to the search functionality. So that's almost, think of it as if it's www.google.com.au. This is where you go and search anything on Instagram. You can search accounts, you can search hashtags, you can search um, via geographic location, you can search uh, shops. So that's another thing that we can talk about later. But you know, the, the search functionality is there. So with hashtags, if you are, for example, looking for a blue dress, I don't, I'm, that doesn't speak to our audience, but that's where I'm going with. If you're looking for a blue dress, you would go into your uh, hashtag search function functionality and type in blue dress. Now there will be millions, if not more of results within that hashtag. So if we're kind of looking at it from a business point of view, if I have a blue dress, I've got a store down the road. If I have a blue dress, how do I get that in front of people? Because I'm already trying to kind of be combative with 2 million other people or 2 million other accounts or 2 million other posts that are utilizing this blue dress hashtag. So how do I get this to stand out? And it's really about speaking to you know, your three key things, business specific, industry specific, and post specific. So you have up to 30 hashtags. So you have the ability to add 30 hashtags to your posts. We like to tell people that, you know, yes, you should utilize hashtags, but in a way that's actually going to serve its purpose, right? So it's about finding new audiences. Your current audience don't need to know about your blue dress hashtag or anything like that. They really just need to know what the image is, what the caption is, they engage, they like, they share, they do whatever it is that they do with you. 
you're trying to find kind of that next kind of group of people. So our current audience, irrespective of if they are in our, um, you know, top 10 of engaged or however we want to view that, we want to take it to the next kind of level. And of course, when we go to that next kind of band of people, we want them to start engaging with our brand to hopefully get that bum on the bed. So it's we're trying to be discoverable to new people. So with hashtags, it's really about utilising them in a way that is not going to interfere with the message that we're saying because hashtags do come across quite spammy, especially if they are the, um, you know, um, like for a like, follow for a follow, reshare for a reshare. I don't know if that's still a thing, but, you know, all of those kinds of that verbiage on those hashtags really are, what is penalised now. So they are the ones that you either get um, a lot of spam responses. So people are like, oh, DM me because I know so much about cryptocurrency or things that have nothing to do with what you've posted. And you're like, oh, my goodness, how is this here? It's because people have spam bots on them. Um, so what I would do is in terms of, sorry, I went, I went off on like this hashtag bloody tangent, but <laughs> What I would do is really have a look at what speaks to your business. So, for example, you need to have a hashtag that speaks just to your business and the business name. That's really important because that is your main identifier. And then kind of once you start there, how do you take that further? So if you are a Brisbane-based beauty salon, by all means, Brisbane-based beauty salon, you can actually follow and engage with hashtags as well. So you can follow them to see who else is using these hashtags. It's not to keep, it's not necessarily just to keep dibs on your competition or, you know, people that are within your space. It's to actually see how many other people are using these, has, using these hashtags because gone are the days of, um, you know, a lot of people, we would just Google things, right? We have grown up in this era that if we don't know the answer to something, we will Google it. Now, if there is a new bar, if there is a new restaurant, if there is a new beauty salon, day spa, makeup brand, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, we do not Google things anymore. We turn to social media. Mm. So we will look at their feed. We will then look at the, um, you know, their account type because to us, the higher the account, the more reputable they are, which is such this, it's a very weird thing that the human brain does, which doesn't necessarily negate the success or the profitability of a business, but that's, we can touch on that later, but it's kind of like, you know, we trust what we see on social media and we know personally that social media is not the be all and end all of everything. And yes, there are things that are manipulated, but with those hashtags and things like that, it allows you to be searchable and more discoverable to more people. Because people are going Brisbane um, Day Spa or Eyelash Extensions Brisbane or whatever kind of verbiage they want to find something. We're not Googling it. We are trying to find it on social media because we're trusting images and tagged images and stories and highlights and kind of the click-through rates and all of that from what we're finding on social media. Yes, yeah, so much. Even, um, you know, I, well, back in the days where we used to travel, um, I would always 
hashtag, you know, brunch Brisbane or brunch Sydney or brunch Bondi or wherever I was. And then I would say, okay, what's the most beautiful avocado, uh, you know, poached egg on there. And then I would click on that and then I would go, where is that cafe? And then I would go to that cafe or same as well. You know, if I was looking for a massage, massage words, massage Turak or, you know, massage Sunshine Coast. And then I would go there, see the beautiful post, make a booking like that. So um, I think the key there, if I'm extracting this correctly from what you were just saying is like, put where you are, your location so that you're searchable, so that your clients in the area and also clients traveling to your area can find you that way. Absolutely. Yes. So, so cool. Um, So we talked about video and um, you mentioned reels. I Mm -hmm. am not a, not one to dance on social media. So if we don't want to dance, how can we make a reel? So reels are essentially a short, sharp way of educating your audiences. That can either be front-facing or your uh, kind of background knowledge on your business. With reels, it's really easy to inject and it's actually a lot more uh, widely accessible to have a bit of um, personification, right? So if we are a um, high-end day spa, we have a certain way that we look, we have a certain way that we dress, we have a certain way that we speak uh, both online and offline, and that is not going to change. However, with your reels and things like that, it is a lot easier to actually, excuse me, allow your um, employees or people who, you know, are entering your Uh, premise to be a little bit more of themselves because it is literally 15, 30 or 60 seconds of short, sharp bits of information. Usually it has audio, it has visual. Um, A lot of people do the like jumping kind of stuff, which I've done it before to take the piss out of myself. Um, Like the pointing thing, like dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because I... To me, that's that's not who I am. I'm more of a blah, blah, blah. Like I don't want people to think that that's the kind of information that I put out there. It's very cutesy and it, it suits a lot of people, but I would rather sit here and kind of give you the information. So I've done, you know, a few where it'll be like pointing at something and then the um, infographic pops on the screen. I have a couple of girlfriends who do really amazing transitions and like jump and cartwheel and I'm I like my back hurts looking at them <laughs> and I'm about that um I think that with reels they're obviously a really good engagement and reach tool but if you utilize them in a way that gives people kind of insight into what it is that you do um and provide them with probably a little bit more information than they would see primarily on your feed That's all you have to do. So even something, and I think it's really cool for kind of transitions, even getting like a towel or something and putting it in front of the camera and then pulling it away and then putting it back up when you shoot your next bit. That is easy enough for someone to kind of chop, chop into little sections, put all together, and that's your reel. It doesn't need to be this ostentatious over-the-top production where you get a videographer in or you do like it doesn't have to be that it's essentially making use of what you have at your kind of um reach and not putting on this really elaborate or 
and just having fun with it, really. That's all a reel is, is you're meant to be having fun with what you're doing. If you don't like it, if you um, go, oh, goodness, I'm just going to try again tomorrow or next week, that's fine. You've done one. You're comfortable. It's about making sure you're comfortable with what you're doing. Um, there's, you know, no gun to your head saying that reels are what you need to do, but it's just about, you know, reigniting that creativity, which is what, again, social media is, is it's being creative with your storytelling. Yes, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, in our industry, we are so visual and everything we do looks beautiful. You know, I mean, just I can watch somebody do a cleanse on Instagram and go, oh my goodness, I need a facial, you know? So even if you're having like a training day or something like that, you know, do a cleanse on each other or on your client, put it in slow-mo. You only need 15 seconds and say, you know, a few drooly faces, obviously you need to be on this bed. When is your next booking, you know, or, you know, give us a call. You know, it doesn't have to be, as you said, this loud, super sexy, cool dance thing. It can just be a little 15 second video. And that's, and at the end of the day, that's all people want. And people that know your brand and your business and how you show up online, if you do put this really over the top elaborate kind of um, something that doesn't align necessarily with your brand or your business, your current audience, so your Cheryl or your Stephanie or your Georgia are going to be like, A, that was, you could see you were uncomfortable or B, you know, maybe it was cringy or C, they, they kind of get this disconnect. So when we put content out there and it's kind of like, well, I'm trying to keep up with the Joneses and this is what everyone else is doing. If we're not staying true to ourselves and our actual audience, it does create or it has the ability to create a disconnect. And when there is a disconnect, it's actually really easy, easy for people to disengage. And when people disengage with you or your content, they unfollow. Now, I don't know the direct correlation between unfollowing and still actually attending a salon, but I'm going to say that there's a pretty high chance that if someone has been disengaged with your brand or your business online, they're not going to come and actually see you in person. So it's about kind of looking at who our current audience is and who our, who we want our audience to be. If we're, do- if we're talking to older women you know they're not on tiktok they're not on reels they're not watching these sexy transitions and going oh well that's what you know i want to be or what i want to do or whatever it is so it's really about honing in on the information that we're wanting to share with people and why we are wanting to do it that way is it because it aligns with our business or is it because we're trying to be like everyone else and if it's because we're trying to be like everyone else that content's already out there, you know, and it's very easy for someone to go, I actually saw this exact post or whatever it is two weeks ago on a page that does the exact same thing in the exact same suburb. That's weird. Mm-hmm. And it kind of creates this, it allows people to put, um, you know, businesses or brands on pedestals. And then it also highlights that we're watching what other people are doing when we kind of need to be staying in our own lane and ensuring that what we're doing is is ours. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's great advice there. Um, we were talking before about tone of voice and obviously, you know, it's it's who we're speaking to to understand that 
how we speak to them, I guess, you know, if, as we were saying before that Cheryl, you know, she's 25 to 28, we might be saying hi, love, or hi, babe, or, you know, hey, pal, or something like that when we're greeting them versus, you know, somebody, Stephanie, who might be 55 to 60 years old, then we might be saying hello, or good afternoon, or how are you, you know, in terms of that different, you know, different way of greeting so that it lands with them. You're not going to say to Stephanie, who's 60 years old, hey, babe, are you? Because they're going to go, what are you doing? (laughs) But in terms of like in the digital space, rather than just social media, what other ways can we actually speak to our clients? I think ensuring that you know, first and foremost, who your clients are uh, in terms of their, we touched on it before, that so their psychographics. So not only looking at their age, their gender, um, you know, what they do for work, where they live, um, you know, the affluency, if you will, of the individual. Um, for, for example, you know, everyone can relate to going to a shop or walking in somewhere and having someone that's either, you know, 10 years younger than you or 10 years older than you going, hey, babe, or hey, doll, or whatever kind of verbiage. And you're, it stops you in your tracks, right? You're kind of like, okay, first and foremost, respect your elders kind of thing. Like, I'm not your babe or whatever it is. Like, And it then allows us to kind of have this perception of who this person is, but it also puts that business in the same category. Mm. So this person, or if someone's really, you know, rude or abrupt or or they treat you really rudely, like I know, for example, if I go to the supermarket and I see a certain person, I will know to either avoid or go in that kind of trolley lane. And it's got nothing to do with Coles or Woolworths or Aldi or IGA or whatever it is, but it has to do with my communication with that individual. So going back to, you know, we, we all communicate, whether it is verbally through the way that we dress, the way that we look, the way that we react or respond, we all have ways and kind of cues that we are communicating with people. So online, it's really important to note that the only way that we can actually, um, you know, have that communication is either verbally or written. And it is so easy for your tone to be misinterpreted or kind of taken the wrong way because there is no, um, sorry, because there is no tone. There's nothing that kind of goes with it. So if you could say something to someone, um, you know, maybe you're on the fly, you've just had your last appointment, you know, they they did an add-on that they didn't include with their booking, so it's actually taken them over 20 minutes. Your next appointment's 15 minutes early. Like, we all know how that can happen, right? And we're kind of sitting there and then there's someone that's called four times. um, We haven't been able to get to it. There's two inbox messages, like someone's blowing up our Instagram being like, I've got an appointment this afternoon or I've got a question or whatever it is. And we might just be like, oh my golly gosh, I just need to reply to this straight away. We shoot back a reply and that gets taken in the complete wrong way because we haven't used our usual, hello, thank you for contacting, you know, Erin Green's day spa um and kind of go through the motions so allowing yourself to kind of go who are these people how do we talk to them online and offline and how do we make it kind of streamlined in terms of how this communication flows from text message to email to our social media to our um you know when someone actually calls up and we speak to them over the phone ensuring that you have the right kind of parameters set up around that so for example with your uh social media having the automation set up so if it's like hi erin how can we help you today there's four or five questions that they can choose from that then leads to different kind of feeder questions and things like that 
same integrations on your website or on your Google or whatever it is, ensuring that you can give people as much information in a way that is receptive for them. Because if you give someone a little bit of information and they go, oh my gosh, well, she strikes me as a bit of a cow. I probably won't be going there to spend my $14.99 on the fat cavitation or whatever it is. Like, you know, people will always, it'll be like a, oh, thanks, or they won't reply. Or if you read something and then it takes you three days to reply or whatever kind of, people don't see that. They don't see the the goings on behind the business. So the customer service, irrespective of how kind of the, the mode of communication occurs, needs to be on point. Whether that is you say to your clients, look, we actually don't go on social media between 8am and 6pm. All inquiries or messages or comments or whatever it is will be replied to at 6pm at night. They then at least know that you are busy. Like you are you know, and, and yes, you are an admin person, but that is not the sole purpose of your role. And you cannot physically do what it is that you do if you're spending so much time doing this. So it's kind of, again, coming back to the smarter, not harder, and really honing in on what it is that you want to be able to tell people. So whether it is, you know, directing someone to the FAQ on your website or straight to your um, booking system or your software system that actually tells them what your cancellation and deposit policies are. Like you can direct people and it really kind of mitigates um, miscommunication, lost in translation, or uh, essentially missing messages. Because a missed message could be a $1,000 sale or, you know, someone that's going to be coming to you for the next 12 months because they want to help with X, Y, Z. So it's really about kind of ensuring that you've got all these things set up because at the same time, the more time that we're spending talking to people on social media or um, on the phone or um, whatever it is, email, that's less time that we're actually servicing and facilitating those services for our clients. So we're actually losing money, um, which I think is probably the easiest way to communicate that to people is having um, misappropriated communication costs you money. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I think a lot of business owners, if, if that's what they can take away from this podcast, I think that's really important, is ensuring that what you're doing is actually leading to making you money. Because no one, like none of us are sitting here as NFPs or, um, you know, wanting to, well, maybe some of us are, but, you know, at the end of the day, we are in business because we are passionate about what we do, but we also would like to make a bit of money while we do it, right? So it's kind of ensuring that we're using our time wisely and spending our time wisely rather than chasing dead leads or someone who got annoyed that we took too long to reply. So they went to another salon, which I know we all know, right? Someone's taken too long to reply to a, um, do you have any cancellations or what's your wait list or anything like that? So they just go elsewhere because it's easier. They don't have that brand allegiance. They don't have that connection. They are not your Cheryl which is fine because you don't want everyone to be your Cheryl, right? Yeah. That's right. It gets too much. Absolutely. And two things you've said there, um, 
both fall under the umbrella of consistency, I guess, you know, even I'm thinking about when I talk to my team, because my team is all virtual, um, only have one out of six in the state that I'm in. Um, So we're always on Slack and socials and, you know, different channels and emails and things like that. And I'll never do, you know, an X, a kiss at the end of um, a message, because I don't want to do it one day. And then the next day, as you said, I'm in a flat between appointments and then not put the kiss and then my team goes oh crap Tamara's pissed off at me today what have I done you know so it is about being consistent and then also to being consistent across all the different platforms you know so if you um, have a cancellation policy you say that cancellation policy when you're on the phone when you're in text message through your email communications you know on your socials across the same way across everything and the easiest way to do that is just copy and paste you know rather than write out this whole entire cancellation policy to a client who goes hey Tamara I need to cancel my appointment that's in 15 minutes rather than getting in a huff and getting stroppy and getting emotional and reactive about it you can literally just copy and paste that you might have it sat in your notes or on your computer or wherever um, and just copy and paste that in reply yeah and I think the the biggest thing is like as business owners we are human right so there is quite a high level of emotion that goes into a lot of things that we do and being female irrespective of what kind of psychographics you identify as we are all emotionally driven a lot of our clientele are females as well so when you do have kind of um so much emotion going on if it is misconstrued or misinterpreted there is opportunity for that to go south very quickly. Uh, So when you don't have, I guess, a formulated approach to X, Y, Z, and you're kind of like, oh my gosh, well, um, why did you cancel? And then you kind of go into it like, well, my dad's kitten's dog did this. And then like, like that doesn't actually, that's not beneficial to you or your business, right? So it's unfortunately, you know, as per our policy and guidelines, which you did actually have to read when you placed your appointment through our booking software, I am going to have to charge you a deposit. Um, Sorry, I'm going to have to take your deposit for today. Please note that when you do go to rebook, you are going to have to repay that $50 deposit. Have a lovely day. I hope you get it sorted or whatever it is. That can't be misconstrued. That can't be like, okay, um, you know, someone's like, yep, that's my bad. I gave them 15 minutes notice or, you know, 10 minutes after the fact, hey, I'm not going to make it today. Obviously, you're not going to make it to your 10 o'clock because it's 10 past 10. Like, I already know that. But I'm not going to fire off a response and go, well, thanks for nothing, Cheryl. Like, you know, I could be bloody getting my eyelash infill done right now or whatever kind of verbiage it is. Be like, that's a that's a shame. Um, you know, we will have to charge you for that cancellation uh, as per our policy guidelines. Or if, if, if you get a message like that and, you know, someone's um, then gone, oh, okay, um, they've sent that message really quickly, don't reply then but also don't wait six years to reply and then be like, hey, um, I'm going to charge you a cancellation now or whatever it is. Let the processes be there to actually almost automate in the background. So utilise what your salon software is there for. Cancellations, charging people deposits, ensuring that they are abiding to your policy and procedure um, and really honing in on what it is that you do for your clients. Because again, wasting time and things like that on an on a um, service that's already been cancelled or a treatment that's already been cancelled 
isn't necessarily going to have them rebook. And even if they do rebook, yes, it may be a $120 service or whatever it is, but they've already wasted that. So you've already essentially lost that $120, even if it's rebooked. Absolutely. Erin, oh my goodness, so much here that people can take away and implement not only, um, you know, right away, but as you were saying, just come full circle for the future of their business as well. So I really appreciate you taking some time out today to um, chat with me and um, I'm sure everyone will will go and give you a follow and um, some love across the socials as that's exactly what this episode was about. Amazing. Well, thanks for having me. And I hope people, yeah, definitely got something out of it and kind of look at social media and get less scared. That's probably, yeah, one of the main takeaways and just just have fun with it. Have fun with your storytelling. The thing about social media is sometimes I found we can overthink it a little bit. And the key from Erin today was just to have fun and remembering that it's not about the quantity of posts that you put out, but more so the quality of content that you actually schedule. Remember to engage, comment, like, and reply to everybody who comments on your post. And at the end of the day, just be social on social media. Pretend every interaction online is happening in real life. You can go and find more about Erin and her services over at greeneryandco.com or on the gram at greeneryandco underscore. Without a doubt, you know by now where we are, but for the purpose of a social media focused episode, we might as well give ourselves a little plug too. So go and take a look at Butte Industry and you can come and say hello to me at Tamara Reed Butte. Until next time, stay connected.